Wake up. It's time for Monday's edition of Transformation Radio. No matter. 
Victory. Our reading in the New Testament for today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 11 through 28. The imagery that we'll read about in verse 12 comes from the Day of Atonement rituals described back in Leviticus. Through his own death, Christ freed us from the slavery of sin forever. Now, though you know Christ, you may believe that you have to work hard to make yourself good enough for God. But rules and rituals have never cleansed people's hearts. By Jesus' blood alone, number one, we have our conscience cleansed. Number two, we're freed from death's sting and can live to serve God. And number three, we are freed from sin's power. Now, if you're carrying a load of guilt because you're finding that you can't be good enough for God, well, take another look at Jesus' death and what it means for you. Christ can heal your conscience and deliver you from the frustration of trying to earn God's favor. Bring your guilt-ridden life to Christ. Confess your inability to clean up your own conscience. Ask Him to forgive you and cleanse you. Thank Him for His deliverance. See, God can forgive you and He can clear your record. When the people sacrificed animals, God considered the people's faith and obedience, cleansed them from sin, and made them ceremonially acceptable according to the Old Testament law. But Christ's sacrifice transforms our lives and hearts and makes us clean on the inside. His sacrifice is infinitely more effective than animal sacrifices. No barrier of sin or weakness on our part can stifle His forgiveness. Sinful deeds are more than just wrong actions. Ironically, these also include our attempts to reach God by being good enough. Our culture glorifies self-effort and personal achievement. It defines a successful person as one who obtains certain goals, financial security, health and fitness, and the respect of others. But here the Bible gives us a different picture of successful living. Accept Jesus' sacrifice for your sin. Abandon the futility of sinful deeds and let the blood of Christ purify your conscience. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. November 9th, the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds, so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the Eternal Spirit, Christ offered Himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why He is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now, when someone leaves a will, 
it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats, along with water, and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people, using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood in the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for Him. Psalm 107, verses 1 through 43. Has the Lord redeemed you? Well, then speak out. God has done so much for us, and we've so much for which to thank Him. He wants us to tell everyone all that He's done. The verses we'll be reading here are not so much a, a mandate to witness as a declaration that when we live in God's presence, we will not be able to keep this glorious experience to ourselves. What has God done for you? Is there someone you can tell? Lost, hungry, thirsty, and exhausted, these wanderers that we'll read about here today typify the Israelites in exile. But they also typify anyone who's not found the satisfaction that comes from knowing God. Anyone who recognizes his or her lostness can receive the offer of Jesus to satisfy these needs. Jesus is the way, the bread from heaven, the living water, and the giver of rest. Have you received his life-giving offer? Do you know anyone who's in prison? Now, most people think that those in prison deserve whatever misery they experience as punishment for their crimes. But God loves all men and women no matter how far they've fallen. He wants to reach them with His love and dispel the gloom they face. Throughout the world, people are imprisoned for their faith. Others suffer as victims of injustice. Can you reach out to them? Pray for those in prison. Pray for ministries and Christian chaplains who take God's message of love and forgiveness to prisoners. 
Psalm 107, verses 1 through 43. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. For He has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help! They cried in their trouble and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he has broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food, and they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke, and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards, and were at their wits' end. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness, as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But he also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them! They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep.
The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 11 Be wise, my child, and make my heart glad. Then I will be able to answer my critics.
Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Feltz. Did you guys pray to start this off? I got here during Mike's set, like rushed in here. Did you guys pray at all to start? Well, man, I'm not doing too good. Right. My favorite are kind of the yes people during prayer. Do you guys have those in your small group? My small, we have one guy that says yes to everything after it all, you know? It's like, oh, Lord, we just want to thank you for this day. Yes, Lord, yes, yes. And, um, and, and uh, uh, we just, just want to pray for, for Tim's grandma. Yes, Lord, yes, yes. And, and, um, and okay, time out, all right? <laughs> so, we're going around in a circle, okay? When it gets to you, yes it up all you want, all right? I'm trying to focus here. I'm going to counteract that guy and just say a lot of no's during his prayer, you know? <laughs> Lord, just want to thank you for this day. <laughs> no, Lord, no. No. And, uh, uh, Lord, just want to pray for, for Tim's grandma. No, Lord. Nah. I don't have to do that. That's always a fun. You ever, you ever ask you this, whenever you're going around like a circle in prayer, and it, it's not to you yet, uh, but you're thinking about what you're going to pray about instead of focusing on the prayer, you know? Like, man, like, oh, okay, what was the prayer request? Oh, boy, all right. And then when it's your turn, the guy in front of you steals your prayer, like that's the one you're going to use, right? Oh, man, it's a lot of pressure. I, uh, I especially love the worship here. That's a really, really cool thing about this church. It's really, really, really kind of my style. Uh, I became a stand-up uh, comic, a Christian comedian, um, because I failed as a worship leader. Um, I was really good at the parts where you're supposed to, you know, like play the guitar and sing and everything. I, I just wasn't good at the parts where you're supposed to say encouraging things in between the worship songs, you know, like keep the mood. A lot of times uh, in between a worship song, the worship leader's voice will kind of slow down like this. and Maybe he'll just strum a few notes on the guitar and look down at the chord he's playing. You know, sometimes I feel like Jesus is like butterflies. Always flapping his wings of love. So. Tonight as we worship, I just want to invite you to, to, to stand and, and raise your hands with me and, and hop on one foot and spin in a circle as we do this corporately. I was always more like, we're going to sing another song now. This one's about God. I think it's by Chris Tomlin. <laughs> I just don't have those things that make you a cool Christian, you know? The things that, the things of cool Christianity that exists. You all know what I'm talking about. The things that make you a cool Christian. We're all aware of this list. Number one at the top of that list, Hebrew tattoo, all right? Does not get cooler than that. You know, it's like the Chinese symbol for Christians. You never know really what it means, but it's there, right? And it's always in some kind of significant spot, like my friend has Hebrew writing on her feet, and it means like, walk with the Lord. My friend has like a, on his bicep, and it's like, strength. I always figured we could have like some much cooler Christian tattoos, like instead of like barbed wire around your arm, have like the crown of thorns or something like that, you know? I think that'd be much cooler. Maybe have like a flame painted right here, and it'd be like the burning bush, you know? That'd be... Oh. Man, did you see that guy? He must be spiritual. <laughs> I'm in the worship band.
Thanks for listening to Transformation Radio.